Hello, one and all, and welcome to the podcast we call The Fantastival, with myself, Stephen Espelm. In the podcast, I invite my guests to come and talk to me all about their musical tastes, their memories, their experiences, and they get to collect their fancy festivals, which I have christened Fantastival. I hope everyone is well, and wow, what a week it's been with the mighty reaction to the awesome John Power. I mean, what can I say about that? The guy I've listened to since I was 14 years old was an absolute treat to have on the podcast last week. We had so many tweets, loads of listens, loads of follows. So if you've ingested that one, if you've listened or tweeted, thank you so much for all the engagement on that. It was an absolute dream to speak to John and I hope you all enjoy listening to it as much as what I did to record it. So that was one, a five, three. I got two guests for you this week on the 154th episode of this podcast. And if you follow the podcast over the last couple of years, if you're been listening to the pod or whether you've been following social media you'll know that one of my favorite bands in the world are arcade state and since having the brothers on back in september 2021 in episode 65 when i had kieran and jordan on who were great fun i've been all over this band every single i've been eagerly awaiting and now we are on the verge of their upcoming debut album life is not linear which is released on friday the 28th of march so i thought it would be a great time to get the newest members of the band on. So, ladies and gents, I'm delighted to introduce lead guitarist Cammy Roxburgh and bassist Lewis Taylor. Gents, welcome to the Fantastical Podcast. Thanks for having us. Hello, thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here. Uh, gents, I'm so excited to talk to you. When Kieran and Jordan flagged the idea of having you two on, I absolutely leapt at the opportunity. So thanks for making the time to come on the podcast but before we talk about kind of your own musical journeys and the forthcoming activity from Arcade State with the album and the gig that we are all looking forward to I always like to check in on my guests to make sure they're all doing well from a mental health perspective so Lewis I'll start with you mate I'll ask you the question how are you mate? I'm alright I'm okay coping always good to hear <laughs> and Cammy, all good with you from a mental health perspective? I think we're alright yeah me and Lewis been on each other quite a lot with the uh... We're the antidepressant brothers in the band. We are like the Eeyores, but we can also, you know, look out for each other pretty well. It's a really good question, actually, to lead into on a podcast. You don't really see that often. Yeah, I Checking feel, in to see how people are. I feel like it's quite an important thing to talk about. And through doing these pods, I think it comes up more and more. So I always try and lead with that question, because I think... As men, probably, I guess it's probably fair to say, or making an unfair assumption, that we probably don't speak about it enough in this day and age. So I always like to lead with that one, Cammy. Nice, cool man. Wicked, wicked. So, gents, in case anyone doesn't recognise your names, I was thinking, who are these guys? I always like, again, to get a bit of a backstory from my guests. So, Cammy, I'll start with you for this question. Tell us a bit more about yourself. So, all I know about you, mate, is that you're the lead guitarist in Arcade State. But what else does Cammy like? What would you like to do, mate? I'm lead guitar on uh, Arcade State. Name's Cammy Roxborough, or also member 862, because there's been that many members of Arcade State, I'm sure you're aware. Lewis is 863. So it's finally good to meet the two of us. Um, what was the question? Just, again, <laughs> a bit more about yourself. As well as lead guitar, Cammy, what, 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 what do you like to do? I like to read and I like to cook. Those are the two things I like to do most. Um, preferably not at the same time, because it, it can get quite chaotic, throwing, you know, like books inside ovens and things like that. It doesn't really work and it doesn't make a very good omelet. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely know about what you mean. And Lewis, what about you? As part of being bass player for Arcade State and an awesome bass player as well, what else do you like to do? What else do you get up to in your spare time? Um, generally, to be honest, just 
same regular board, uh, boring stuff that most people do. Video games, TV shows, reading. Nothing exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess to talk about the exciting stuff then, let's go back to your early music memories. And Lewis, I'll ask you this question. What do you first mm-hmm. what do you remember about kind of like your first musical memories looking back? I'd say from from an early age, what I can really remember the most is I remember being in my cousin's room. He's quite a bit older than me. I must have been, I don't know, maybe eight or nine. Remember about that. And he, he had the uh, Rage Against the Machine on in his room. And it was uh, Take the Power Back. And it just always kind of stuck with me. I would say that was my gateway into music. But it, I didn't really kind of fully realise it and, you know, kind of get on the music bandwagon until I was in my teens and I was in high school, you know. Um, I think the people when I was younger I used to hang about with, they didn't pr- particularly appreciate that kind of music. So you kind of repressed it a little bit until you go to high school and you were kind of a bit more free to kind of express yourself, I guess. So yeah, I think probably my earliest memory is just hearing Rage Against the Machine for the first time. It's a pretty cool memory, a pretty uh, great track to hear um, in your cousin's room. What about, what about you, Cammy? What, what do you remember about kind of your early kind of musical memories? Lewis, how am I supposed to follow that? That's a much cooler memory than what mine was going to be. Oh, yeah, my first band was Rage Against the Machine. Mine was Robbie Williams, all right? <laughs> Thanks for dropping me in it. Yeah, I was like, I think the earliest memory I've got is walking into Willie's with, like, a fiver and buying a, a tape cassette of Robbie Williams' She's the One. That's, like, one of my earliest memories of getting into music and deciding, I think that's the first bit of money of my own that I actually spent on a piece of music. So always picking up Big Rab. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you absolutely knocked out the part with Rage Against the Machine. You get Rage and I get Rab. That's cool, man. <laughs> I can't even remember what the first CD I bought was. I think it was, like, oh, I don't know. I think it was, like, Tupac or something like that. I genuinely can't Tupac? remember. Tupac? <laughs> so you've got, well, you've got the crossover there. You've got, like, rap and you're going into rock. I bet you had Limp Bizkit as well. Is that, I, I remember getting... Oh, no, no, I remember, I remember getting chocolate starfish and hot dog fla- flavoured water when I was about 10, 11 in yeah. Lincoln Park. So those were my first memories of it, like, yeah, I, I totally missed purchasing it. CDs. I totally missed the Limp Bizkit bandwagon. I, I don't know, they're just one of those bands that I've never... I just don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> you're too cool, man. Yeah, minus a few songs, obviously, but, yeah. So, Cammy, you not- had some bangers. What, Limp Bizkit aren't a bad band I think they, yeah. yeah, they're still back in, I think. No. <laughs> so, Cammy, in terms of your journey then into guitar, I take it Robbie Williams wasn't the gateway to picking up a guitar. What was the gateway to you picking, picking up a guitar? What made you want to pick up a guitar? So, the guitar solo in, what's that Robbie Williams song? It's an absolute bang and it's got like a big slide guitar in it. No, no, for me, I remember getting really into... Blink-182 and Green Day from a really young age. Probably about 10. I Probably about 10, 10 years old again. Something like that. My next-door neighbour had those CDs and he had an older sister and she was big into like watching movies like American Pie and all that stuff. And the soundtrack to that was just all Blink-182, all pop on Goldscape, on things like that. And I remember just being like, what is that? That sounds really cool. So the thing that got me uh, into like wanting to learn the guitar was probably like, opening track of Enemy of the State when we need to dub beats and that big guitar riff that comes on and I was like, oh, that's, that's amazing. What so I had to like, <laughs> that album is flawless from start to finish. I don't care what anybody says. I'm not even a huge Blink fan, but it's such a it's such a great guitar album. Yeah. And from there, Cammy, was it get the guitar, learn Blink, and then you're off and away basically. Yeah, I remember getting like a Westfield Stratocaster from like the only music shop in Oban. 
because I'm a shifter in from up north. I mean, all that you had wall to wall was fiddles, accordions, you know, all barans, all this stuff. And there was like four or five like electric guitars on the wall. There was this like amazing looking like sparkly blue with a sparkly like scratch plate Stratocaster. And I was off and away like trying to learn like damn it and like some of the simpler blink tunes. I couldn't get the really hard ones and it took me years to actually learn how to play guitar properly. I sacked it after about a year going, I'm terrible at this. I've got tiny hands. There's no way I'm going to be able to do it. And then picked the guitar back up again a year later and was doing power chords. And I was like, all right, okay, I can do this now. It's <laughs> great stuff. And I guess, Lewis, for you, how did you get into kind of playing the guitar? Did the guitar come first and lead into the bass or have you always been a bass man? No, I've always been a bass player. I remember, like, I'd always kind of wanted to learn an instrument. And I didn't really know what to start with, like bass, drums, uh, bass, drums or guitar. I didn't really know. I remember in when I was in music in school, I kind of picked I picked drums up quite quickly. But you know, as school went on, I didn't pick that. I didn't pick music as a subject, so I didn't take that any further. But around about that time, my friend was in a a pop punk band, and they had split up, and he was a bass player, and. His kind of plan was, all right, I'll, I'll keep the band going, but I'll move to guitar, we'll keep the same drummer, we'll get a new singer or, you know, try to reshuffle the band a little bit. And yeah, he knew I was quite keen on learning how to play an instrument. And I was mostly kind of leaning towards bass because I'd always loved, like, Rage Against the Machine, Muse, you know, I was always really into that, the thick low end and, you know, just the groove of, like, many Muse songs, for example. So he kind of volunteered and said, well, I can show you, like, the basics, how you play bass, and it kind of just went from there, really, to be honest. And I've just never looked back. So I think it's about 15 years now I've been playing, ba uh, playing bass. Just all self-taught, got really bad habits, probably <laughs> quite bad technique, but <laughs> it works. <laughs> so obviously you've both started playing quite a while ago. So let's talk about, I guess, your journeys into Arcade State. So like you said, Cammy, you're 862, Lewis is 863. I'm sure Arcade State probably aren't your first band. So, Cammy, I guess talk to me about your early bands through to where you are now into into Arcade State because I know I think Lewis has played with had played with Jordan before. So, I guess start off with Cammy. Tell me about your route in, into Arcade State. I think I seen I think I seen Kieran posting some ads when he was really young. He was maybe only about 21, 22, something like that. And right away, you could see like a really ambitious guy. So my my sort of like first exposure to him. Thank God it wasn't like a, a really bad one. <laughs> First exposure to him was just him being really ambitious, wanting to find musicians that could play the kind of music that he wanted to do. And I kind of watched them from afar, like developing. I think they had like a an, an earlier band name and then they were working on different stuff. He started out as a three-piece actually. But I was playing in a band called, what was it called again? Atlas Run in Glasgow as well. So we kind of knew about each other from the scene. He knew he knew the lead singer of the, of the band that I was in, and I vaguely started to see him sort of pop up on the scene as well. Then obviously the pandemic happens. That band that I was in didn't survive that, and we came out of it. And he had approached me numerous times actually. There was there was two occasions where he reached out and said, "Look, I really like what you do. Do you fancy coming in?" Tried it the first time. It wasn't going to work with the the original dynamic, but, you know, I stepped away and I was like, I'm still going to be a big fan. And then a year later, they reached out again saying, look, got an ambitious idea about trying, trying things with three guitars. What do you think about coming in and doing more ambient work, layering all those kind of things? Basically, like, the kind of stuff that I've been playing a lot and showing my kind of repertoire and the kind of stuff that I could do online on my, on my socials and stuff. But, yeah, walked in, 
the brothers are absolutely mental. I'm sure you know. But I'm sure that's why you're such a big fan, not just of the music, but they've got personality mm-hmm. bags of it. So you walk into the studio and they're just going at each other like like a double act. They're hilarious. And I don't know. I just felt like there was a good buzz about it. So that was my kind of like, I entered I entered into that sort of makeup twice. And, you know, happy that I got the call back the second time as well. Probably about a year later it was. Probably meant to be, right? So first time it wasn't right, but then, like you said, wait a year and then get to where it needed to be. So that's a great story into kind of your route into Arcade State. What about you, Lewis? How, how was your route into into kind of your early bands in, into Arcade State? So I was kind of flung straight into the deep end. Uh, like <laughs> you I, were. I, yeah, like I, I started, uh, obviously my friend would show how to play bass and like, kind of getting the basic rudimentaries down, learning tabs and playing along with songs and stuff, you know. Um, and about... A month later, I played my first gig. Not even probably a month later, and it was in—I don't remember—it was in the Hive in Edinburgh. <laughs> oh God, I can still remember it. It was horrendous, but I could—you know—I could learn the experience. But from there, you know, we kind of continued on doing the odd gig now and then. I, would, I guess looking back, you could—you could barely call it a band, you know. But um, after that, kind of fell apart. I started with a drummer friend of mine. We started a new band. Got other people from the kind of local scene that we knew to fill the gaps and we kind of continued in that iteration as a band called Polaris. We were a band for a while, did quite a few gigs, you know, released four uh, four tracks, a four track EP that imploded as as bands usually do when you're in your late teens, early twenties, everybody's at each other's throats, you know. Then we started a new band, Ghost Alaska, um, and that was, essentially it was myself the the drummer and the lead guitarist of the of Polaris just minus the singer so we obviously got a new singer in and that singer was uh, a close friend now uh Tam uh, Thomas he he'd been in another, another band in the same area in Claybank uh, called Elan Few and their drummer was none other than Jordan so I kind of I kind of knew Jordan vaguely around about that time I mean this is well over 10 years ago now Eventually, Thomas Thomas's band Elon Few split up, and Thomas joined our band, and that's kind of like was our, our first, well, my first kind of experience of actually taking things seriously. You know, recording singles, recording an EP, you know, trying to play as many gigs as we could, and then eventually Jordan joined the band, and that's how I got to know him. And we've always had a really good rapport musically and personally. We've always gone very well. And then when that band <laughs> ended, I feel like I've been in so many bands. <laughs> It's like, maybe, it's I, maybe I'm the problem. Yeah, maybe it's me. <laughs> so me, Jordan and Thomas, we started a, a band uh, called Vices. And I, I think up until now, obviously, I felt like that was probably my best playing like on tracks. And, you know, but the peak at that point of like my bass playing and, you know, songwriting, I felt we, we were achieving something really good um, with that band. Um, but we knew it was... It was never going to last because uh, Thomas had, a, you know, other not other commitments, but he, he had a plan to move abroad, which he has done and he's still living abroad. So we always knew the band was going to come to an end. So we played like a one-off gig uh, in Glasgow and we were supported by none other, none other than uh, Kieran Murray. So playing solo, playing acoustic. Was that one of his first gigs or quite an early gig for him? I think so, yeah. Yeah, he was dead young. I, you know, it's, it's funny, I actually found that one of the tickets for that gig today. Did you? I just, 
I keep looking around for him, like, where have I put that? Because I thought it'd be quite funny to show. <laughs> I'll see if I can find it later. But um, And then, you know, that was the last gig I'd played up until we played a gig in the same venue, funnily enough, under a, a pseudonym to kind of test out the new Arcade State, uh, arcade state stuff. So I think it was about six, seven years I went without playing a gig. But um, joining Arcade State was, you know, Jordan always joked that it was always going to happen. He was like, you're you're going to join at some point. You're going to be in the band at some point. And, you know, you kind of laugh off. But I remember I'd, I'd not long got back, I think, from Download Festival. And I had and Jordan messaged me and went, do you want to come in and play bass for us? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'd taken a, a six-year hiatus, so let's do it. Amazing story. You've both had some amazing kind of stories that have built, I guess, joining Arcade State. And looking back through the Arcade State socials, I saw they announced you in late June. And in by July, you're in the studio recording the mm-hmm. debut album. So I guess a, a baptism of fire into the band. I'm so used to it. <laughs> <laughs> totally it was proper deep end stuff, yeah. Yeah. So, so I, yeah, that, I, I tend to kind of take those sort of things in my stride. And, uh, you know, I, I think... Collectively, we do as well, but I always kind of work. I feel like personally work quite well under pressure, and that certainly was, you know, a lot of pressure to come in and knowing that you had to record another nine songs, eight songs. I think it was eight songs I recorded on because two had already been recorded. Um, yeah, it, it was a lot of pressure, but again, you know, it's like it was a fantastic experience, one that I would happily do all over again. And Cammy, what about you? How did you find find the experience? Then, I guess of just being announced as joining the band, and again, you're straight in the studio and recording recording a debut album. Well, yeah, like we had a sort of um, like a month or two of just that sort of um, what's called that, like cooling off period where you buy a new phone, and two weeks you've got to see if you like it or not. <laughs> they had me for like two weeks um, in that kind of mold um, just before they announced me would be my deep end was. We were going out to play a gig, so I only had maybe like a month or so to get prepared for a gig. It was up in Inverness at the the now like like bulldozed and synonymous Ironworks Fest, uh, Ironworks venue, and we were like one of the last bands to play. But this we were playing this huge room, sporting um, like a really good a really good folk band from up north. I think they were from I think they were from Ross. Um, but brilliant venue, amazing experience, but just looking out to like a sea of maybe, maybe we got the, we were one of the first people on, there was about a thousand people in the venue and it was just, they like to work on deep end sort of um, working habits and pressure. Uh, and that was my experience doing that, going in to record the album. That was just, that was a dream for all of us, I think. We'd all wanted to, I think when you pick up an instrument as a kid, you always have those dreams and ambitions and you draw little pictures in your, your jotter and stuff like that of like album covers and stuff but we, we managed to get into a studio and record an album and it was just this incredible experience that you know it's, like Lewis says I wouldn't trade it I wouldn't do anything differently even though at the time things were done in a way where I'd go could we not have tried this could we not have done that nah, looking back on it like the kind of stuff that we got to lay, lay out and lay down it was phenomenal to do it that way so the album is done it's recorded it comes out on the 28th of March, the Friday. Already, all the splatter vinyl are gone, I believe. But there are mm-hmm. a few blue snaps, blue Starburst vinyl left. Yeah, I, yeah, we've I got a few of them left. I don't even think there's that many of them left either, to be honest. But there, yeah, there's still some. I guess in terms of the album, then, tell us, I guess, what people can expect. Because obviously we've heard a few singles from you, which we'll talk about shortly, but in terms of where the album takes you and where it goes, I guess, tell us about, about that album. Do you want to start, Cammy? Yeah, I could start. Because um, I was, I did all, I appeared on all 10 tracks 
Um, Lewis was Lewis jumped in only the last two, eh, the last eight. It was a mental experience, yeah. But where to start? We started with our we started with our track that we'd played live, we debuted quite a few times before we went in. Uh, it was a song called "Nothing But War" that appears third in the track listing. The thing that we really love the the thing that we really love about the album is the way it flows. We couldn't have um, we couldn't have came up with a better listing, a better track order if we tried. Um, but that was the first one we did with um, the original bass player Davey. He appears on that. He did a really good job of the bass on that too. So props and a shout out to Davey Boy. But that was when we were thinking we could really go somewhere with this album, like somewhere where maybe as songwriters and musicians we're not completely comfortable and we'll get to work outside our comfort zones. We were trying ideas and like trying stuff on the fly and taking suggestions, production suggestions from Mark Morrow at the time. And we were like, that's a mental idea. Let's try that. Like we actually finished <laughs> writing that track in the studio because the way it ends live was completely different to the way it ends on record. So even though it's a, it's a song that people have heard live a few times, it's still going to surprise and shock people when they hear it for the first time on record. And I think that's the best way to describe how this album will be, I don't know, the reception of this album from people. It will shock and surprise a lot when you listen to it, especially fans of the band who were there before my time, before Lewis's time. It's, you know, it's full of surprises. I can't wait to hear it. And again, from someone who's followed the band for the last two or three years, you can hear the involvement in kind of the stuff from then to the stuff that is now. And you can kind of hear the guitars coming through more and it getting a bit mm-hmm. rockier and a bit more riffy driffing. So, yeah, I guess, Lewis, anything to add to what to what Cammy said about the album? Yeah, I mean, the whole experience in itself is fantastic. I mean, I remember um, in the lead up to us recording the rest of the album, obviously I came in on the third track. Two had already been recorded. The reason what was, it, what was the reason I couldn't make the second one? Was I nice? Were well, you not working? Or... Yeah, yeah. Like you, like yeah. Lewis works at NHS, so he's always working mental hours, and he's. Um, I think you were doing shift work at the time, and you just couldn't get away. So, yeah, so we had to do the best with what we had there as well. But I remember in the lead up to that, Kieran and Jordan had sent me over nothing but war to listen to, and I remember being blown away by it. And the first thing I thought, this is totally different from anything I've heard before. You know from what Arcade State put out before. So I was so, totally intrigued to see how everything, you know, how the rest of the album was going to go. And when I came into the studio uh, with the guys, they, they had the bare bones of some of the songs already there. And listening, now when you think of, uh, think about it and you listen back to old demos yeah. and live recordings we've got, the difference between some of the songs is ridiculous. You know, like yeah, just the level of, you know, just mature songwriting and, you know, just elevating some of the songs that were already there to another level just like songs like the dissonant and the barons like those songs were already kind of there like when i joined there was like the basic chord structure of the song and the basic idea was there but when we all started to put our our, you know our parts into it it just became something else it became a whole different monster really and they two i think are two of the standard tracks on the album yeah Uh, and credit credit what is due to kieran as yeah. crazy as he is to to work with, yeah, I have to give him his, his true credit on those two tracks. Those ones were those two tracks, dissonant and the bands were the ones that we were having the most trouble writing and finishing because they were quite complex. And Kieran was finding it quite difficult to try and describe how he wanted the song to go. But he knew, and he said, "This it's going to be good. These tracks are going to be great." Once we get them into the studio, and I was like, 
scientific on the road trip, he's going to be great, they're going to end up on the floor, man, we're going to have to write two tracks on the fly, but they ended up becoming like two of my favourite tunes on, on the album, and like, I, I, even I listen to them as, as a fan sometimes, I just put them on, and I'm like, oh, so bang, that's, that's, that's good, man. It's such an achievement when you think about it, like when you start with just the bare bones of something and you think it's not going to work or you're hesitant to continue working on it and then all of a sudden it just comes together into what it is and, and it's just amazing. I can't wait to hear the album. I know there's many excited people out there waiting for it, including myself. And obviously we've had the Life Is Not Linear single, Paper Heart, which came out at the back end of last year, which was probably one of my favourite singles of last year. And then we had Thunder Statement, which was a great track. So... As well as the album, there's a big, big show taking place uh, on Friday the 12th of April, the album launch show, which is at Around More. I don't know if I've said that right. I think I have, but... Or more. Don't worry, nobody in the band can stay at Bright Island and we're all from Glasgow. <laughs> 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 you should hear the way John and Kian say that. It's brilliant. On and more. Um, yeah, so we'll, play, we'll be playing On and More in April. And yeah, that's going to be a big show for us. Right, that's the album in full, as I understand it. So that's from. Yeah, we haven't decided if we're going to do it from start to finish in the order of the album, but there's 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 loose plans that that's the way it's going to be. Plus, we'll maybe do a few earlier fan favorites as well. Again, that that will get confirmed near the time. We're not going to say what they are. I don't think we've even decided what they are. So, like, there's just so much um, surprise and surprises and excitement and stuff for that for that show. Yeah, and as well as you guys playing that, you got great support from Layaway and In Veins as well so three amazing bands two amazing one. bands in the Glasgow scene we had the boys from Layaway up at uh, our studio the other night and we were just messing about with them we did some like social stuff and we just had a laugh and it was great yeah <laughs> good boys good laugh yeah, yeah that promises teach us a thing or two how you work the IEMs <laughs> I know as the more ambition that gets into this band the more stuff we need to learn as we go along <laughs> So in terms of that, that is still there's still tickets available, right? So if anyone wants to get a ticket for that, what's the best way for them to find a ticket? If you go into skiddle.com, you'll be able to search the band on there and you'll find the, the only show that's there at the moment is the Oren More show. Yeah, on on our socials as well. I think that's probably the best way to find it because we're constantly... Aye, the, the link, yeah, the link is on... The, the social that we use or we tend to use the most is Instagram. It's the one that we're most active on and there's links all the time being posted on our stories as well as like attached to our bio on Instagram as well. So if you want to get tickets, all the super early bird and the early bird tickets are gone, but there's still general sale tickets left as well to go. Amazing. Going to be a fantastic night, uh, that one. I look forward, to hopefully, to seeing many people there. So I guess to go back to you guys in terms of your own musical tastes, I'll ask you first, Cammy, what are you listening to at the moment? Are you listening to anything new or old? Are you listening to CDs or physical or streaming? What are you listening to at the moment, Cammy? I had a bit of a freak out during the... Um, the, the last lockdown and I was like what happens if the internet goes and I've got no music and, and no films to watch because I used to have remember those big pockets of um, CDs and DVDs that you used to have yeah I had one of those when I was a lot younger and it's gone now and I just thought I'm going to have to start rebuilding a CD collection so I started buying like old albums that I used to have from, in the, the early noughties like Ryan Adams Heartbreaker Jeff Buckley's Grace things like that streaming wise I've been I've been listening to a lot of Slow Dive so me and Lewis are actually going to go and see Slow Dive uh, when they come to Glasgow. They're a phenomenal band. And they just released their newest album, or I think it was like an extended EP or something like that, maybe a couple of months ago. So I've been, I've rinsed that. I'm actually sick of it now because I've listened to it that much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go to the gig and go, I'm bored, I'm going to the bar. 
I just thought about that. That's me and you are probably quite a bad combo <laughs> together. I'm going to see a band. We'll just be spending the whole time at the barn. What are you talking about? I know. I, I, we managed to go through the whole of January without a fight, so come on. Well, you did. I did, twi- I did 26 days. That's not bad. Sure. That's not bad at all. <laughs> Lewis, what are you listening to? Still anything? a win. Uh, still a win. <laughs> yeah. Anything else that you're listening to at the moment, Lewis, at all? Uh, I still I just recycle and regurgitate the same music all the time. I find it very difficult to get into new, to kind of newer music, basically. So most of the bands I listen to are still Deftones, The War on Drugs. Alexis and Fire, City and Colour, you know, it, I just go around in a circle with the same bands constantly, same artists constantly. Uh, sometimes chuck a bit of Childish Gambino in there as well, just to mix it up, but... Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes I, um, well not sometimes, I normally at this point would ask you about your first single or your first album, but you guys have answered that, so I'm going to skip on to your view on festivals. So I'll ask you first, Lewis, this fantasy, mm-hmm. this podcast all about you collating your fantasy festival are you a big fan of festivals at all have you been to many i've been to three festivals i've, de- I've been to bagman tea in the park was a thing i went to tea in the park twice and experiencing that as an 18 year old was absolute chaos <laughs> um, <laughs> when i look back on it it was an amazing experience though i went two years in a row seen muse foo fighters eminem beyonce uh, it was Crazy. Right um, now, there's people furiously going online trying to find that exact festival to see how yeah. old you are. And as as <laughs> I think that was, um, no, they didn't play that one year. There was, uh, I'm naming artists from multiple years, the two years that I went. Um, I can't remember the exact lineups. Um, <laughs> but no, that was, that was an amazing experience, especially for someone who, you know, in Scotland at the time, there wasn't really that many festivals to go to. You were kind of relying on going down south quite a lot to like download or Redden and Leeds, Glastonbury. Um, so to have your kind of own festival was amazing and it wasn't far from uh, for me to get to either. But um, as time goes on, I, I think the, the festival kind of veered away from its roots in terms of what kind of music was getting played. You know, it became a bit more pop heavy, which is not really what I was interested in listening to. So I went to uh, Leeds and... <laughs> 2014 as well that was amazing probably one of my probably my favorite festival experience was seeing deftones then system of a down right after them and <laughs> the absolute pissing rain mud people throwing <laughs> mud at each other and it was yeah wild beer bottles getting thrown on stage and chino grabbing them and opening it and drinking it and yeah it was wild and then last year i went to download and that was amazing just Finally got to see Slipknot, so quite happy. <laughs> Great stuff. Cammy, what about you? you a big fan of the festival? Again, have you been to many? Not as many as I'd like. I mean, uh, going to festivals, it was just one of those things that was just a little bit financially out of my, out of my reach because I'm an absolute bovo. But <laughs> getting to go to... I, I went to a lot of grassroots and startup fests um, as someone that got to like play in bands at maybe like really, really small festivals or go along with other bands and just trying to help out. But basically means like, you know, getting into a wee festival for free. I remember going to the old um, Connect Festival that used to be at Inverary Castle. I think they maybe only did it one or two years in a row and then they stopped it. That was back in 2008 or something like that. Maybe even earlier. Sigur Ross were the headliners. No, Franz Ferdinand were headlining and Sigur Ross were playing just before that. Goldfrapp were on the same stage and getting to see like Goldfrapp 
Sega Ross and Franz Ferdinand at a really small intimate festival, maybe like, uh, you know, a, it was still, still five figures, but not like a huge amount. It just felt really, really cool to be there. Mud everywhere. It was typical Scottish festival sort of uh, fair, but it was a really cool experience. But yeah, apart from that, I've never, I've had an ambition to go to all these big festivals, you know, those coming age festivals or the ones that you really need to tick off your bucket list. I'd love to go to Glasgow and it would have been great to have gone to King Tut's when it was still going, but I missed the boat on that one as well. And I've always fancied Reading and Leeds because like growing up reading Kerrang! magazine, like it was the Bible. Every time the Reading and Leeds festival lineup came, like got released, I was like, I love them, I love them, I want to go see them, 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 I want to see them. <laughs> and it just looked like a big shopping list of like, it was basically every poster of every band that I had on my wall were playing Reading and Leeds every year when I was a teenager. I was like, yeah, I need to go. So I think that would definitely be the next one on my list. Fingers crossed you make it there at some point. So like I said, at the top of the episode, the aim of the Fantastical Podcast is getting our guests to collect their fancy festival so Cammy and Lewis get to choose five acts, one of whom must play one of their studio albums in full, and they all get to pick an encore, which all the acts can play together at the end of their festival to close it. So that can be any song by any artist that all five acts perform together. So very simple for any first-time listeners. Five acts take five time slots. And like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I had John Power on from Cast in my last episode, and he collated his Love is the Call Fantasy Festival in the last episode. So for his opening act, he picked the specials, for Super Seconds Act, he picked Howlin' Wolf. For his Midway Madness Act, he picked The Smiths. They were followed by Miles Davis, who played his Kind of Blue album in full in John's pre-headline act. And his headliners were The Who. And then he had all five of his acts play Smokestack Lightning to end his fantasy festival. So that's how simple the podcast is. But before we get to talk about your five fantasy festival acts, we need to give your fantasy festival a name and we need to give it a venue. Then it's got pretty chaotic with the Murray Brothers back in episode 65. I hope it's a bit less chaotic in this one. <laughs> Everything's chaotic with it. Did we land on a name and a, and a location, Lewis? No, we didn't, no. no. We're going to have to come up with one on the fly then. You said Loch Lomond, so we're going to stick with Loch Lomond, eh? Stick with Loch Lomond, right, okay. Right, and it'll be called the the Roman and the Globin Festival. That's it, okay? okay. Roman and the Globin Festival at Loch Lomond. <laughs> Done. And who did we have? All right, is, is that cool? What we're moving on to now? Totally cool with me. Totally cool with me. Right. It just rolls off the tongue. So it like... does, right? Rolling in the globe. <laughs> so we've got. I I can't I can't. What what are you calling your fantasy festival? <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember now. I just came up with it. Now uh, was it Roman? Roman and the Roman and the Gloman. Roman and the Gloman. Roman and the Gloman. Roman in the Gloman. Purple burglar alarm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with Roman in the Gloman. So you might be surprised, you might not be surprised that Murray Brothers picked Lot Lomond as well. So you've picked the same venue as your fellow. I think it's, be- I think it's because we've got we've got a studio there. So we've, we're renting a, uh, a space there to to rehearse and you know get us, get ourselves sort of set ready. And it's just short of um, like the the starting point of Lot Lomond. So I think that's why it's always in our heads. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. It's an iconic place as well, you know, yeah. for us. So, yeah, makes great, sense. Great shout with your venue, then. So, I guess before you talk about your five acts, are there any acts who you love but who aren't going to join us into your fantasy festival lineup that you want to give a mention to? We, we listed off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we we listed off nearly all the the same the same bands. So you were Rage Against the Machine, definitely, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. For me, Rage Against the Machine. They to me they're. T- uh, Timmy C, the bass player, is my biggest inspiration for bass playing. 
Tom Morello for guitar player. You know, to me, they're not everything, but like they're up there with my favorite bands of all time, and they just miss out on this. So, yeah, yeah. I would, I would say Muse miss out for us as well. We're both quite big Muse yeah, fans, um, so they miss out, uh, even though they're meant to be amazing live. Did you not see them live as well? I've seen them four times. Four times. They're amazing. Yeah, absolutely yeah, incredible. Yeah, you miss out. Green Day miss out. Uh, for me yeah. personally, I've seen them live. They were like the first big gig I ever went to at the SECC back in 2004, 2005. And that was an amazing show. He's 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 always been the kind of guy that can hold the crowds or an audience, big or small, in the palm of his hands. But yeah, I, I think I'm over Green Day by like, watching them live now. I've seen them manage to get off my bucket list. Move on. Oh, no. Yeah, they're playing. They're playing in the. They're playing in the summer, and I have just no interest in going. I've seen them that many Aye. times now. I'm just, and, it, and it's not not because I don't like them or, or anything anymore. It's just you just know what you're going to get, and not that that's a bad thing. It's an amazing thing to yeah. know that you're going to go and see a consistently amazing show. But yeah, ticked off the bucket list. That's fine. Move on. <laughs> who else? Who else for you? Who who else didn't make the list? Um. Probably, well, we, we had one, City in Colour, taken off the list as well. Oh, yeah, City in Colour was going to open for us, and then we were like, nah, patch that. Or Alexis and Fire, mm, doesn't, yeah, uh, yeah. do them off as well, so they miss out. Yeah, there's Placebo. I, we're, I would quite like to have seen Placebo, that's a kind of universal influence and um, fan for the whole bands. We're all pretty big Placebo fans, yeah. um, but they missed out in the festival lineup as well. All right, some pretty big names missing out. I thought when you were talking about Muse earlier, I thought we might be seeing Muse. I thought we'd see Rage Against the Machine as well, so surprised they miss out. But for every act who misses out, another act gets to come in and take their place. All right, so 2 o'clock at Loch Lomond. It'll be time for your opening acts. I'll throw out there, either of you can answer this one. Who's going to be your fantasy festival opening act, gentlemen? So we said Jimmy World were going to open up. Yeah. Did we agree that they were also going to play Clarity in full? Did we say that? Yeah, we did actually. Yeah, so they're going to open and open uh, the festival with a full rendition of the Clarity album. That is a great shout, gentlemen. So I guess first of all, why Jimmy Eat World? I mean, I love Jimmy Eat World. I've been lucky enough to see them quite a few times, and they're always a great live band. But I guess why Jimmy Eat World for you? And I guess for me, when I think of Jimmy Eat World, I think of Futures and Bleed American. Clarity for me isn't the obvious one. So I guess why for you? Why are you picking Clarity as the album to play in full? I think for me. Um... Growing up, the first time I ever heard Jimmy World obviously was on Kerrang and it was the middle music video. And then, you know, the more you kind of like listen to their back catalogue, you just got really into them. Yeah, well, I got really into them and saw past just like the middle Bleed American sweetness, like the kind of big hits that it had at the time. And naturally, I started going backwards and I landed on Clarity. I don't, the, the album to me from start to finish is just a complete masterpiece. It's an album I always go back to and could listen the whole way through without any pauses or any skips. It's just, it's one of those albums that I, I think is timeless, really. Um, yeah. So, and I, I think Cammy agrees as well. Like, it's, it was just natural for us to pick them and for it to be that album. I would have gone for Futures because that's one of my favourite albums of all time, like Full Stop. I think um, Jimmy World uh, had three albums sort of in a row that were just untouchable for me. But I don't think I'd be able to sit through Drugs or Me or some of the other kind of like slower, dirtier ones at a festival yeah. during the day. There's a time and place for that, gentlemen, and it's not at the start of the day at <laughs> a Scottish festival. So I think Clarity is more of a banger. It's like a like a really sort of um, like rough, ready, raw rock records. 
that I would I think would just be killer to see live at a festival. So that's the one that we landed on. That is a great shout. I'm also surprised looking at my fantastical list after 154 episodes. This is the first time Jimmy Eat World have ever been chosen on the podcast. So well done, gents. Sacrilege. That's quite surprising, actually. These other bands need to get the finger at what is wrong with them, man. (laughs) (laughs) Go and listen to Clarity. Go and listen to Clarity. Yeah, mate, fantastic. Great shout. All right, so Jimmy Eat World are opening the Fantasy Festival. They're playing from two till three. They're going to play Clarity in full. Then we get take a half-hour break, and it'll be time for our Super Seconds Act to play from half three to half four. So again, gents, who are we going to have as your Super Seconds Act? Paramore. Was it, it, wasn't a, it was going to be was Paramore it? second, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It so we were going to go for Paramore, which seems a bit surprising for us, but universally for the whole band, we, we, had this, we played this game when we were at uh, the pub, uh, do you remember Lewis after recording one of the tracks of the album we were in a pub in Leith in Edinburgh and for some reason I don't know why we're just that kind of we just seem to be that group of guys we were sitting around and we were trying to like come up with like our fantasy band like right. if you had a band any, if you could form a band any band with anybody as lead singer anybody as drummer and anybody as bass player bloody bloody blah who would it be and I think we were all quite unanimous that the drummer from Panama would be playing drums yeah. And we were kind of humming and hawing about Hayley. I don't think she got lead singer. I think that maybe went to Jeff Buckley or something like that because we're all big Jeff Buckley fans. But yeah, he got like the he got the drum still. And we all just, we've always bonded over how much we loved Panama. We even ended up doing a cover of one of their tunes at one of our last gigs. We played a Christmas gig. And Christmas gigs always have that sort of anything goes, sort of like lackadaisy festival sort of vibe where we're like, we're just there for the festivities to enjoy ourselves, to let the fans enjoy themselves as well. And we ended up playing Decode by Paramore there at the gig, which was great fun. Brilliant. All right, so Paramore, are you super seconds act? This is the second time they've been chosen at a fantasy festival, so only their second appearance. They're going to play for us from half past three to half past four. We'll take another half-hour break. That takes us to five o'clock, and it'll be time for our Midway Madness Act. So two acts down, three left to go. So, gents, who's going to play as your Midway Madness Act? Um, slap bang in the middle we're putting Deftones oh great to out with Deftones so I guess why, why yeah, you... I, think, oh, God. I think that's a good time of day to get to, to sort of bring the noise bring the funk and bring a bit of Chino I think that's a good time of day for him absolutely <laughs> there's no bad time for Chino no <laughs> I guess I just, think, I just think Deftones are just one of those bands have just been consistently amazing ever just since the get go like every album's slightly different as well they're just I'm one of those wankers that is like that. That's like I prefer their later stuff, not their earlier stuff, <laughs> which is sacrilege. The most Deftones fans. They're the only new metal band to me that have like changed with the times and been successful. You know, they've, yeah. morphed, they've, they've morphed and kind of evolved. Whereas, like, you find like Limp Bizkit, they're still the same, really, aren't they? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, nothing wrong with that nothing wrong we're with shitting that. on Limp Bizkit quite a lot quite a lot in this podcast and I'm not going to fucking stand for this okay I'm, I'm not shitting on you I'm just pointing I'm, I'm, I'm only kidding if anybody deserves getting shallow on this red dust okay <laughs> so I, I guess the question I was going to say about Deftones is obviously there's a wealth of material so is it just kind of play whatever they like or was there anything specifically gents that you would want them to play that you'd have to hear in an hour set by the Deftones oh that's a good question for me, it's got to be Minerva. That that song, that's the song that got me into Deftones. Um, Do you know that's the song that right, that put me right off when I first heard it when I was a kid? Really? I was like, yeah, I was like, I just didn't get it. I didn't like it. I was like, <laughs> who's this big fat bastard that's playing in the fucking <laughs> desert? 
that's the song that got me into like shoegaze and everything like getting got me into post-rock that's yeah. that song just started so many things for me when i heard it for the first time just you that see, other I, place around the sound mine was a uh, hole in the earth and that's what got me interested yeah. in and and that kind of big sounds tapey shoegazy thing when they went that way because me and lewis love all that kind of noise ambient post-rock shoegaze stuff um and that's definitely sort of bringing that into the mix out of nowhere and it's like this is banging i can't believe the, the same band that, that were kind of doing like rap rock new metal stuff years ago, um, like with Back to School and stuff like that. I absolutely hated that when it came out um, and I was just not into that band and then that style at all. And then they started bringing out bangers like Swear City and uh, just like, like all this. Uh, Swear City is the one I have to hear live because it's just a perfect song. Yeah. All right, so Deftones. From really, to be honest, I could go on all day about Deftones, so but probably <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's one of the things I love about this podcast is when you get two members of the same band talking about the same band but different periods and they find out about each other's musical taste so it's interesting to see your dynamic when you're both talking about that was a song that got you into him and Cammy's like well that's the song actually that isn't so I always uh, yeah. enjoy watching bandmates talk about that because I always find out new things about each other's kind of musical taste alright so Deftones only the second time they've been picked they make their second fantasy festival appearance they're your midway man that's playing from 5 to 6 We'll take another half hour break. We've got two acts to go. So now we are going to welcome your pre-headline act to play from half past six to eight o'clock. So, gents, who's going to be your pre-headline act? So War on Drugs, wasn't it? It was, actually, yeah. We went for the War on Drugs as our sort of sunset bands. That would probably be the time where the sun's just starting to set and everybody's getting properly, properly into it by this point. And yeah. there's no better band that you want coming out on stage at that point than the War on Drugs, which is, again, it's another band that... The whole band is bonded over. We've all been quite passionate about them individually before we joined the band and when we got into it. We were like, one on drugs, one Yep, yeah. Love this band. They're absolutely cracking. Have you been lucky enough to see them before at all, either of you? Not me, I've but seen, I think you guys have. I've seen them twice now. Yeah, I've seen them seen them in Edinburgh last year, or the year before. Seen them. I've seen them uh, in Edinburgh and then quite recently I've seen them again in the, uh, the, the Hydro in Glasgow. Aye, Keen and John were at that show as well, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they, they were kind of more towards the front, and me and my girlfriend were a bit further back. Oh, they were unreal, absolutely unreal. One of the best bands I've ever seen live. High praise indeed. All right, War and Drugs are your pre-headline act. Third time they've been picked in the Fantastical podcast. You're going to play from half past six to eight o'clock, so we can take one more half-hour break. It'll be time for your headline act to come out and give us two and a half hours of their set from half eight to 11. So, gentlemen, this is the big one. Who is going to headline your fantasy festival? I don't think anybody is. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Like, I, don't anybody, I don't think anybody will see this coming. For us no, I don't think so. For us, I think because we both like them, we both landed on them thinking this would be a cracking way to end the festival. It's got to be Queens of the Stone Age. All right, great shout. So when you say you don't think people would have guessed it, I guess... A, why do you think that isn't the obvious choice for you? And then I guess the next step is, why was it the obvious choice for the both of you? Maybe it's not the obvious choice for us because I don't know that it, they weren't put in the pool of the bands that we were discussing that most influenced us. When we were going in to record the album, we were like, what kind of influences are we going to bring into this? Um, Queens of the Stone Age didn't even get put up on the whiteboards, but they're just a band that, for me, tone-wise, live presence-wise, they just have this... I don't know, they have a bit of an aura about them. And I think they've also... Yeah, you go on. They're just 
proper rock band, you know, yeah. like straight straight to the fucking point rock band. Like a lot of the time, you know, like I don't know, I don't think there's many bands like that anymore or nowadays really at all. Yeah, you're right. Like, I, I, I can't even, I couldn't even name you one. Like, I mean, I think a lot of bands that kind of claim to be or try and um, be that way, it, it doesn't, it comes off as quite false and, you know, insincere in a way. I, I think just Queens of the Stone Age, I think, like Cammy says, their, their tone, the guitar tone, just their songs are live, like they're there's something about them that's just have this, yeah, aura, I guess. I, I think know. I think without even meaning to, we didn't even think about this or talk about it earlier on when we were discussing them, is that Queens of the Stone Age, there's parallels between Queens of the Stone Age and Arcade State in the sense that there's been an awful lot of personnel changes. But each sort of personnel change has brought different dynamics and different sort of sounds and vibes to, to the band, with it ultimately staying very true to you hear that and you go that's definitely Queens of the Stone Age because of Josh Holm and that's definitely Arcade State because that's Kieran Murray and that's Jordan on the drums it has that same sort of parallel between the two where ultimately they both they've both had they've both had lots of like you know different forks in the roads and different people coming in but the music essentially has stayed kind of the same with lots of nice little sort of like ornamentations and lots of different things that have added in to make it kind of different. You can pick out the errors and stuff, but they've always had that continuity about them. Yeah, absolutely. Great answer. All right, so Queens of the Stone Age, uh, headlining your fantasy festival. It's the third time they've been chosen for a fantasy festival lineup. So they're going to play for us until 11 o'clock. Then at 11 o'clock, they're going to bring back out on stage the War on Drugs, Deftones, Paramore and Jimmy Eat World. And they'll get to play one song that you get to tell them to play so gents have you landed on a song that you're going to get them to play Lewis do you want to get Lewis you can do the honours I think did we try to remember what we said was that Queens of the Stone Age song we said I'm sure of all yeah we did it was Queens of the Stone Age and it was the feel of goods feel good out of the summer yeah that's the one yeah how did, how did you land on that song then? I mean, that's that's a, obviously a very iconic song a very famous song but what, what was it about that song that made you want to choose out as your encore I just want to play. I just want to see Zach Farrell play that on drums. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you know he would tear that kit apart. It would just be yeah. holes by the end of it. Uh, even even need like a front man to jump through the kit. He would have destroyed it himself with yeah. his big arms and big legs and stuff. But it just seems like one of those students that would be amazing to jam to. And imagine like every member of the bands that we've talked about with all their individual sort of like personality traits that they bring to their, their instrument and their voice and all that stuff, like singing that tune, playing that tune. Great stuff. All right, that's in. All right, so I guess let's lock your fantasy festival in a bit while we can. So we have got Roman in the Gloman, right? Is that what we're calling it? That's the one, <laughs> yeah. That's the one. <laughs> Brilliant. We got it in three. I got it in three. Uh, lock Loman. We have got Jimmy World as your opening act. They're going to play Clarity in full. Super Seconds, we've got Paramore. Midway Madness, we've got Deftones. Pre-headline act, we've got The War on Drugs. Headlining, we've got Queens of the Stone Age. And for your encore gents, all five of you actually are going to play the feel-good hit of the summer. Sounds like an amazing fantasy festival to me. Are you happy to lock that one in to our fantastical vaults? Yeah, I'm pretty happy. Yeah, pretty happy with that. Great stuff. Right, so I guess before we wrap this one up, I guess let's talk about the future for Arcade State. Because at one point, it didn't look like there was going to be a future for Arcade State. That appears to not be the case anymore. Arcade State are very much alive. So I guess let's talk about the next couple of months. So anything you want to push from the album to the gig to anything else that the future holds for Arcade State? Let's hear it, gents. I think, we've, I think we've got another single lined up February the 15th. We weren't originally going to release as many singles as 
we have so far, or and I think we're going to stem it at three, but we've decided just to keep the momentum going. We're just going to release a bunch on the run up to uh, the album release, just to kind of keep wetting people's appetite and keep giving them a little bit of something to look forward to. So we're going to release a single on the 15th of February. So are we going to say what it is? I think we're going to release... Uh, we'll, 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 we'll leave it as a, a surprise. Ah, OK, cool. Let's leave it as a surprise then. <laughs> I'm sure it'll come out um, in the, the days or the weeks just before it comes out, uh, which one we're going to release. But then we've got, a mar- we've got a kind of marquee single coming out just before the album comes out. I can't, the kind of one that... I think it's not even about it being the best one that we think. It's just the one that we all love the most, and we enjoy we enjoy playing it. We enjoy writing it, so that'll be sort of the bigger one that comes out and uh, just before the album. Yeah, it's a, it's a song that's quite special for all all uh, all of us, you know. So yeah. So we've got the singles, the album, like we said, is Friday the twenty eighth of March. So people can stream it and they'll get their vinyl on that day. And again. If anyone wants the vinyl, they've got to be quick, right? Because the splatter is gone and there's only a, not many of the blue vinyl left that people yeah. need to get. Limited so. stock left. I, could, I couldn't tell you exact numbers, but yeah, not many. Uh, it's low now. It's pretty low. So the, the splatter album, which I've got up here, that was uh, that, like, that's just a mock-up. It's not the real one, trust me. No, it's, it's mine. I got it off myself. Bugging everybody else. No, I mean, that one ran out, that one ran out quite quickly. Um, there was only, what, 50 of those made and there's about 100 of the blue one left. Uh, the blue one is now, I think it's getting close to single figures. I believe is the last time I heard anything about that. So maybe there's about nine or ten left, or maybe coming up to like 15, 20, I'm not sure. Just go and buy the album. You won't regret it. You'll absolutely love it. Amazing. So the album on the 28th of March, the big gig on the 12th of April. So if anyone's in and around the Glasgow area, or if they're anywhere, they can go and buy tickets for that gig. So I guess... What are your hopes for the album, then, gents, before we finish this one? What are you hoping that Life Is Not Linear, I guess, brings Arcade State when that album comes out? I think you, it's natural for you to want recognition. You want... And, you've, and you've a big had, pile of money. And a big pile of money. <laughs> but no. to, to, to be completely honest, I, I think it's just an achievement that we were able to do it, able to record it and able to release it. It's a priv- privilege to be able to do it. So yeah, if anyone listens to it and anyone enjoys it, I think that's a win in my book. Well, yeah, with the the four of us and the other the other two people that uh, performed on the album, every single last one of us is just a scheme boy from a different scheme in Glasgow in the west of Scotland. We self financed the album, everything that this band has ever done, barring a few amazing generous donations from one or two like extremely amazing people. We've done this off our own backs. With an extremely hard-working band, um, and I think all I want is, I think I just want that hard work to not have been for nothing, but I definitely want people to to listen to it, to even give it a go once, and if they like it, they'll keep listening to it, and if they don't like it, then that's fine, that's totally cool with me. But it was just an amazing achievement just to even get into the studio and not record just a single or a, a bog standard three or four track EP. We went into a studio and we recorded an album, and. I think the only thing I want for the album to get is just listen to it once. All right. All right. I'm sure people will. I know, gents, there's a lot of very excited people waiting for that album. I think there's going to be a lot of outpour of love for Arcade State when that album is released. Let's shout out your socials in. We mentioned them earlier. Let's shout them out again, gents. If anyone doesn't follow Arcade State, where do people find Arcade State? Where do people go to keep up to date with all the latest Arcade State news? Best place to get us is going to be on Instagram. For sure. Um, it's where we're probably most active. And is it just... I've got tribe. 
We're trying in vain to get on TikTok as well, but we're too old. Uh, if anybody can give us any pointers for free, please uh, meet us up in any bar around the west of Scotland, <laughs> and we'll we'll show you the year about it. And you can tell us how to work how to work the TikTok. But yeah, you can get us on TikTok. You can get us on Facebook, but primarily, yeah, just as Louis says, get us on Instagram. You'll we'll be updated that daily with news and release dates, all that jazz. Amazing stuff. So that is it. Thanks to everyone for listening to the 154th episode of the Fantastical Podcast. If you've enjoyed this one, please subscribe. You can give the podcast a review. You can do that on iTunes. You can also follow the show on Spotify. You can also give us a five-star rating. And if you've enjoyed the episode, you can also comment on the episode in particular. So we are also on Twitter. So we can be found on Twitter at Fantastical P. We are also now on TikTok as well. So I've just around got my head around TikTok. I've figured out that a video is a lot more effective than a graphics. That's my big find about TikTok. And I continue to try and break the internet. Maybe not as successfully as you guys, but I'm trying my best. <laughs> but if you're not... If you're not on social media and want to contact the pod, you can do so by emailing us at fantasticalpodcast at outlook.com. Unfortunately, we don't play music on this pod, but I'll get some tracks from Cammy and Lewis. We'll make a nice little Spotify playlist. So if you scroll down the episode description, you'll find a nice little link there and that'll have all links to tunes from the Gentlemen's Fantasy Festival lineups. So, gents, 154 done. It's been a pleasure having you on, Lewis, Cammy. Gents, how have you Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, man. Been a pleasure. Mate, like I say, all the best with the album. I'm so looking forward to hearing it and I can't wait to be celebrating the wonderfulness of Arcade State on the album release weekend. And hopefully I'll get my ass up to Glasgow to meet you all finally on April the 12th. Fingers fingers crossed. But good luck with it. I can't wait to do such a big get. So I think it's going to be amazing. Fingers, toes, eyes, the whole thing. Just get up here. Let's have fun. Let's go to the game. Let's go <laughs> afterwards. Absolutely. All right, so I'll be back next week with episode number 155. So please make sure to join me for that one. But until then, stay safe, my Fantastical friends. Please continue to spread the word. And that word is Fantastical. Thanks for listening.